0: I want to uh, refer here, first of all, as we start into this, I want to refer to some things that we talked about in a uh, in a very recent Bible lesson that we taught, and I'm going to talk about that in order to spring from that into what we're going to talk about here today. And the characteristics of God's kingdom on earth, and I'll start with three things that I've already mentioned to you, but just to tie it all together so that we have a continuity of thought uh i'm going to talk to you about those who prophesied of the kingdom of god the kingdom of god the kingdom of heaven is the same thing matthew uses the term kingdom of heaven where uh luke uh mark luke and john uses the term the kingdom of god they will be speaking of the same thing and telling of the same uh, teachings of Jesus, but one would say the kingdom of heaven, one would say the kingdom of God. So if you hear one, it's it's also the other, just in case that you think, well, is this kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God? And uh, also our very number one here, and that is that this was prophesied of, the kingdom of God on earth was prophesied. I'm going to start to where it was first prophesied in the scriptures, and we've talked to you about this a few weeks ago. I think you well are aware of it. But if you'll go to Daniel with us for a moment, and let me just take a little time here and reestablish this truth. Uh, in the second chapter of the book of Daniel, this is where we are beginning here. In the second chapter of the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had a dream. And Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, had just been brought over a year before from from Israel in captivity. They'd been captured or brought over. They were they were descendants of the king. And they had been chosen as choice young men to put in the palace to assist the king in making decisions and thinking about things that he would have to do and decisions he'd have to make and they had supposed to have had wisdom Uh, and uh, seemed to have good knowledge in these kind of things. So they were chosen, even though they were very young men. I don't know whether they were 12 years old, 15 years old, 18 years old. I don't know what age it was. They believed that they were around, at this point, around 17 years old at this point. Some Bible scholars do. But Daniel, incidentally, was among these people. The king had a dream. And the dream went from him. He couldn't remember the dream, and he wanted to know the interpretation because it really bothered him bad. He called all of his wise men together and said, tell me what my interpretation of that dream is. They said, tell us the dream. We'll tell you the interpretation. And uh, they said, and he said, no, you tell me the dream since I don't know what I don't remember. You tell me the dream, and I'll know that the interpretation is right. And they said, nobody can do that. And he said, well, you better come up with an answer because in a few days it's going to be, you know, off with the head for all of you. All you wise guys and you, your own salary around here and you don't, you, don't, you don't know what you're doing. And I'm going to get rid of all of you. So word came to Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, go and said, this is what the king has ordered. So Daniel said, let me go before the king and ask permission of something from him. So Daniel went to the king and said, King, give us a few days that we may seek God and find out the answer for you. And the king said, OK, I grant that to you. We know uh, not any executions right now. We're going to give you a few days to do that. Daniel went to prayer. Three, three Hebrew children, as they were called, also went to prayer with, God, with Daniel. They sought God and asked God to give them the dream and the interpretation of the dream and whenever he finally got it one night god gave the whole thing to daniel and daniel said okay i'm ready he said i'm ready to go before the king tell the king not to take nobody's life nobody nobody has to die i've got the answer that he wants so he went before the king and the king of course was saying i'm sure was saying you'd better have the answer fellow you know and daniel being a young man went to the king and he told the king he said king he said, "Nobody can give you this answer, but the God of Heaven has revealed it, and this is what it's all about." Now, what Daniel, what Nebuchadnezzar had dreamed, and what Daniel showed, told Nebuchadnezzar that he dreamed, was that he saw a great image, and I showed you this picture once before. So, you saw a great image, and that he stood. Excuse me. And then he, he stood before you and uh, he was a terrible image and said that he had a head of gold. And if you can see it up here, it says gold, chest and, uh, chest and arms of silver, thighs and hips, belly and thighs of brass and legs of iron and feet of iron and clay. And he said, you what? You saw that image And while you were looking at it, he said, there was a stone that hit the image on the feet. And the whole thing began to shatter and come apart and it all fell into, there was all just little pieces of crumbs. And then the wind came and blew it all away and they didn't exist anymore. The mountain or or the stone that hit it on the foot that was cut out of a mountain grew and became a great mountain and filled all the earth. So he said, Now that's the dream that you had. Here's the interpretation of the dream. He says, The dream that you had, the interpretation of the dream, is that you are the head of gold. Your empire, the Babylonian empire, is that head of gold. And so he interpreted it in this fashion. And I showed this to you a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not going to dwell on this too long. But he says, You're Babylon, but Babylon's going to pass away as the empire of Babylon. The media persian empire will be the next empire that will come after you the grecian empire will be the next one he didn't call the names all he did was say there would be another empire following the your empire then another one then another one and we know from history which one followed each one because it's recorded in history and it's all it's, it's just plain history and so and then the Greeks, of course, followed the Media Persians. They conquered the Media Persians. The Media Persians conquered the Babylonians. Then the Greeks conquered the Media Persians. And then the Romans finally conquered the Grecian Empire, originally led by Alexander the Great and so forth, and we get into all that. And then the Roman Empire, and he went on to say that the Roman Empire would have legs of iron because it would be a very crushing and a very strong empire, And then he went on to say that the feet was of iron and clay would be that of the last days. Now, he makes a statement in this 44th verse. He says this in 244 of Daniel, and this is where I'm going. And this is what's in your notes tonight. In 244, he says, and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Praise the Lord. And uh, that's why the Lord spoke one time about the kingdom of heaven. and He said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so anyhow, the kingdom of God is the church that would be established on the earth. Now, the next prophecy that we have here, this is. The one that we've already looked at and talked about, and we'll move on from that. The next one that was, I mentioned here, and this was also looked at here a while back, is John the Baptist in Matthew 3.12. If you'll turn to Matthew 3 and 1, I mean. 3 and 1 and 2, not 12, but 1 and 2. Matthew 3 and 1 and 2. This is repetition, but bear with me just a moment. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. This is in Jesus' adult days now. Jesus is 30 years old. John the Baptist is about 30 years old. they are beginning their ministry. Jesus hadn't began his yet and would not until John the Baptist had concluded his ministry. And so John the Baptist began to preach. And he said, saying, number two, saying, repent ye. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's now. That that Daniel talked about over there and you know that was coming. All right, is here. It's coming. It's here. And uh, so he mentioned that. When John the Baptist was put in prison, I'm going down to chapter 4. And I'm going to the next uh, scripture here that we've got. This is where Jesus prophesied about the kingdom of heaven. And if you look in Matthew, the next chapter, chapter 4, and verse 17, from that time, that was because John was now put in prison and his ministry had ceased to be out in the open. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All right, now, so there's two things that are mentioned here about the kingdom of heaven. That the kingdom of heaven would be present. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is home. So this is what Daniel 2.44 was prophesying in the days of these kings. That was during that Roman Empire period of time. Jesus came. And John the Baptist, of course, just before him. And they said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, uh, look at number two here. The kingdom of heaven would be in us. Would be in us so i'm going to go to another scripture that we've already looked at again just refer to it very quickly here and this is in luke 17 and 20 17 20 and 21 and when he was demanded of the pharisees when the kingdom of god should come they knew it was in the scriptures he answered them and said the kingdom of god cometh not with observation it's not something you're going to be able to see Not with your natural eyes. You just don't see it. It does not come with with observation. Let me pick. Okay, verse 21. Neither shall they say, lo, here, or lo, there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. It It was within us. Now, to confirm that with another scripture that we're going to read over here in Romans... And that's the one over here that we're looking at right here. Romans fourteen seventeen, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so what this is all telling us here is that the kingdom of God would be God's church set up on this earth. And this is what I emphasized before when I mentioned it, and that was, folks, stay in the church, stay with the thing that God has established in this world, and it will never fail us. Praise the Lord. God has put us in the church, and what a privilege that is for us to be in the church. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to move into some areas here that I want to talk more detailed about here to us here tonight. So I'm going to have you go, if you would, please to the book of uh, number three here. Jesus, like the kingdom of God, the former, sowing okay. Look at number three. Here. Go to uh, Matthew 13 and three. Matthew 13 and three. Now, this is where the Lord starts liking the kingdom of heaven. And he began to speak to the multitude and began to tell them the kingdom of heaven is like this, it's like that, it's like such and such. And he's talking about the church that he's establishing on the earth. First, it was offered to the Jews, but when the Jews rejected Christ, they lost it. And it was then was committed to the Gentiles. That's why when Jesus, just before he ascended into heaven, said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be lost. This is in Mark 16. Also in Matthew 28 and verses 15, 6, 7, 18, and 19, right into that. Now, I'm going to pick up here in Matthew 13 and 3. Look at this very closely. Everybody with me? Now, stay with me on this. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sore went forth to sow. Now, this is a parable Jesus is giving the multitude. And when he sowed <coughs> excuse me. And when he sowed, that is, they, they throw seeds into the wind. That's for sowing the way they where they planted things. They threw it into the wind. And whenever they sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some seed fell on stony places. They had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deafness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Verse 7. Some fell among thorns, and thorns ch- choked up and choked them. But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, uh, Later, Jesus gives the definition of this parable to his disciples. And he tells them, I'm going to give you the definition to, the, to this parable because it has to do with the kingdom of God on this earth, which is the church. So everybody's still with me. Jesus is talking about, it. look at verse 18. I'm going down to verse 18 here. Uh, the explanation of his, to his disciples Matthew thirteen eighteen through 23. Now, look very closely here with me. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and sow, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which soweth the seed by the wayside. Now, Jesus had explained... Previously, and also another God, another God, like in Mark, he does, he explains it in another way as well, that the seed is the word of God. And the word of God is spoken, preached, taught, witnessed to somebody of, but the word is given out. Praise the Lord. And the ground by which the seed falls on is the hearts of men and is how the heart receives the word. Depends on what happens with the word when it comes into the heart and whether the kingdom of God would develop and how it would develop. Now, look at this very closely with me. He goes on to say here in verse 19: When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which is on his heart. This is he which is received a seed by the wayside. In other words, this is like somebody who hears the word of God. Let's suppose they go to church. They hear the preaching of the word of God. They listen to it. And they say, oh, this is not for me. No, that's not what I want to do. No, I don't want to give my life to God. I want to do what I want to do. I want to live the life way I want to live it. I don't have to give an account to God or nobody else. And they would get up and walk out. And so it's like the seed was taken away immediately. It's like their ground, their hearts was hard. The seed could not grow. There was no place for it to grow and so it was complete and there's a lot of people like that they'll come to church they'll hear the word of god they'll go on their way you can witness to them sometimes they will receive it sometimes they won't receive it that's up to them that's why god has made us so that we have a will that we can choose whether we want to be saved or we don't want to be saved so he said that is like those that fell by the wayside now look at verse 20 now jesus goes on and says well and the seeds fell on other kind of grounds as well. Look at verse 20. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Oh, they said, this is just what I'm looking for. Man, I really want to live for God. This is great. Man, oh boy, I like this. And look at verse 21. Yet... Hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while? He, he lives for God for a while. He goes to church, starts living the life, but he starts thinking about it all. And look what it says here. Yet he doeth for a while, but during for, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word. By and by, he is offended. So he is somebody who makes a start. They live for God for a while. Now, how long is a while? I don't know. It depends upon the person themselves. Depends on whether it's going to be a week, whether it depends it's going to be a year. But they live for God for a while. But along comes some persecution. Along comes somebody says, oh, you're one of those holy rollers. Oh, you're... One of those fanatic christians oh you're somebody that goes to church and you you dance in the spirit Oh, you know and they said oh this is not for me i you know this i, 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 I want to be like everybody else i want everybody to like me and i and so forth and so they don't go any further and that's as far as they go and they lose out with god now the lord is saying the kingdom of heaven is like that so it's not anything wrong with the seed notice that the seed is good the word of God is perfect, but it's how our hearts receive the word of God. Now, you're ready for the next one. All right. Buckle your seatbelts and get your body on. Hang on. Then it says in verse 22, he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world. And the deceitfulness of riches choked the word, and he becometh unfruitful. Now notice it doesn't say that this one fell away, or he died, or scorched, or just dried up. This one continued to grow. He continued to be there, a plant. And if you were to walk by and look there, you'd say, yeah, you see a little old plant among the thorns, and he's still growing. He's still there. He's still going to church. He's still saying, I'm a Christian. He's saying, I'm a child of God. But down in his heart, listen to me closely now. I'm not. This is not for anybody here. This is people that's not here tonight. But in his heart, he, he is caught up with the cares of this world. Everything about what's going on around him has got his attention. You know, I got to take the kids to the to the volleyball thing. I, I got my favorite football team come going play this Sunday. It can't be in church. I got, uh, oh, I got the grandmas coming and, and relatives and I, I can't go to church this Sunday. I got to stay home and take care of them. And it can be one thing after another till the cares of this life sort of takes away from us the times that we need to give to God. Because they, we say to ourselves that these things are more important than serving God, walking with God, and living for the Lord. And the deceitfulness of riches choke them out. Now in Mark's, in Mark's uh, where he talks about these seas falling by the wayside, and he comes to the part about the thorns. Mark says, and the lust of things. He includes that one. The lusts of things. In other words, people start lusting after things out here in the world or something. And so the lust of things is also included with the deceitfulness of riches and the carriage of this world. Somebody says, oh, the deceitfulness of riches. Oh, man, boy, I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to get rich. I'm going to get rich. I'll go to church when I can, but I'm really going to work and make a lot of money, blah, 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 blah. And I guess if I asked for a show of hand, there'd be some of you that would... Raise your hand and say, you know what? You know, I, I thought of that one time, and I gave some thought to that, blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just telling you, folks, that's the deceitfulness of riches, deceitfulness of riches. I can here to tell you a good story about that, about myself, but I'll move on here because I know our time's getting away. It goes on to say here, uh, also in Luke, Luke says the pleasures of life. He uses the word the pleasures of life. So the deceitfulness of riches... And the cares of this world and the lusts of things and the pleasures of life. These all choke the word. And so the plant is growing, is hanging in there, but it never has any fruit on it because it's being choked out by all of these other things that keeps this pressure. And, folks, this is what we've got to watch for and battle and fight in our own Christian life as we walk with the Lord. Now... I've talked to you here about the wayside, would not receive the word, the thorns, the stony place where the thorns. And then finally, of course, there is the good ground. Praise the Lord. That's mentioned there. The good ground that's mentioned. The thorns, though, can be a, a thing that can just cause us to lose out with the Lord. Uh, let me just show you something. It's not in our scriptures here, but this is found over here in Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 10 i'm still talking here about these about the thorny ground and uh, this is where paul is writing his last epistle he's writing it to timothy before he knew that he would probably be executed or would not be around much longer god had already showed him that his days was coming to an end paul is writing he says in verse 10 4 10 for demas demas was a good friend of his that had stayed with him and walked with him and they had preached the gospel together. They had been friends together through all kinds of places, living for God. And here's what he says in verse 10 as he's writing to Timothy. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed into Thessalonica. And then he goes on to say, Crestus to Galatia and Titus unto Dalmatia. Now, I'm only saying that because Demas had walked with God, folks, for a while. But there came a place where he said, you know, I just don't want to pay the price anymore. And he lost out. And I don't need to tell you this. I've told it before, and I I hesitate to even tell you again. But your pastor and I was over in Greece, and we were in Thessalonica. It's called Thessaloniki today, and it is the second largest city in Greece. And in the downtown park, in the right in, in the middle of the city, is, is where it, it has been excavated to the old Thessalonica, as it's called, Thessalonica, and it was about as deep as like, the bottom of that window sill up there, down to the floor, down below the surface of where we were, and that's two thousand years old. And they had they had found that old city and they had cleaned it all out, and you could see the rocks. And the foundations of cities and the the walls, the foundation of walls and houses and buildings and towns. And Paul had walked on these streets. And my son and I went down and we walked around and just looked at it. And thinking about it, And Paul preaching the gospel there. And it hit me. This scripture hit me. When he said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed unto Thessalonica. And it's... That's the city where he went. And I said out loud. I, I was there, and my son was over here, like all the like, oh, way back, that back row. He was across over there looking at other parts of it, and I was over here. And I just said out loud, Davis, you gave up God for this? And, and, I, and it just hit me like that. You gave up God for this? And I was looking at nothing. And Demas gave up his soul and eternal life and heaven, the streets of gold for that. He gave it all up for that. And then I thought, you know what? There are people who are giving up eternal life for our present world. Because, you see, our present world is there. But where will it be a thousand years from now? Where will it be 500 years from now? Where will it be 100 years from now? You know, I don't know, but I know things are running out in this old world. Things are running out for America for sure. And it's not a time to say, oh, I think I'm going to part here. So I read this scripture and I thought, yeah, Demas, he lost out with God because he just said, well, this is not what I want. And, uh. I thought of these scriptures about the Lord saying to Peter, whenever Peter said he went fishing and Jesus had resurrected and hadn't been seen for a while, and he was still in his resurrected body on earth. And Peter said, I go fishing. The other said, oh, we all go with thee. And the Lord came up and said, cast the nets on the other side, and they had more fish they could pull in. So He says to him finally in uh, St. John 21:15. So when they had died, Jesus said unto Peter, Simon, Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Lovest thou me more than these? He said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. feed my sheep. Then he says to him in verse 16, Simon, lovest thou, more, lovest thou me more than these? He said, Feed my sheep. Down in verse 17, he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Notice how God wanted him to love him more than anything in the world. And, folks, that's where we are today. That's what God still requires of us. That's why give God your best. Praise the Lord. Amen. There's all kinds of things that can pull at us. The world. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The lust, pride of life, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. These are of the world and not of the Father. God wants us to love him more than all of these kind of things. Well, let me move on here. Praise God. So there is uh, the thorny ground. And uh, then, of course, that was the good ground. And these are people that live for God and serve God and walk with God and and pray and talk to the Lord. And uh, we're going to move into Matthew uh, and and number four here. And I want to talk to you about some things about us walking with God and serving the Lord. So now I'm going back to uh, Matthew chapter uh, 13 here. Matthew 13 and uh, verse number 4, 31, verse 31 and 32. Look at this closely. We're still in Matthew 13. Another parable put he forth unto them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed. A grain of mustard seed which a man took, sowed in his field, which is the least of all the seeds, when it is grown as greatest among the herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Now there's a mustard greens that we know is like a collard greens or turnips or something like that. Uh, but this is not talking about that. This is a tree that grows over in the Middle East. And the seed is very small, but the tree will grow up and it'll, it'll come out and be a little plant and it grow and grow. The seed is so small and yet it grows and it gets to be a big tree. And the Lord was referring to that mustard tree, as it was called, it is called the mustard tree and the grain of the seed is so small and yet it becomes large. Now, let me say this. The Lord is telling his disciples here don't despise the day of small things the church may be so small and insignificant now but one day it'll be a great force in the world for you and i it may be a small thing but one day it'll be a great force in the world praise the lord men go into cities they say, i'm going to start a church they get a little something going in their living room I've gone to churches and where they just and people's in their living room of their house they are having church. And that's church. Praise God. But they kept going. I know a church in, in in I won't say what city but it's in Illinois. And I remember going there when it was in the living room of the pastor's home. Now they got one of the biggest churches in the state of Illinois in that in that state. All from that one little church. It was nothing. Was nothing. I was there when it was looked like nothing. I was there whenever it was full of people. that had a big congregation. I'm just telling you folks that God, praise the Lord, can say, take something that's nothing and make something that's great out of it. But so we cannot despise the day of small things. I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures here that's found in the uh, look over in Zechariah 4:10. Zechariah 4:10. For who hath despised the day of small things? Who hath despised the day of small things? And he goes on to talk about how that God can take things and change them all around. I'm reading over here in Psalms 1, 1 and 3. 1 through 3. Psalms 1, 1. Very first verse in the first chapter of the book of Psalms. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the way that is scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Notice here how he loves the the word of God. Verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Notice that. He'll be like a tree planted by the waters that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And so he gives us a little bit of a definition here in Psalms. Another scripture in Psalms, and that's the one that we're looking at over here, to give us somewhat of a picture here of a righteous person living for God, being like a tree planted. This is in 92.12. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. That's a big, big, big tree, cedar tree. Uh, Verse 13, those that he planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Verse 14, and this is interesting. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. And so I'm just trying to tell you here, they shall be fit, fat and flourishing. Now, I'm just pointing out to you here. How that the Lord talked about a tree that we were like, a, be like a tree. A tree is, can be a, a thing and God can be so insignificant to start with. But then it begins to grow and develop and it becomes large and great and mighty. So when you're doing the work of God, you never know what's going to come from what you might see. Something small, insignificant, but God keeps blessing it, keeps blessing it, keeps blessing it, keeps growing right on. Folks... This is a great work in the world. There are millions, millions of people all over the world baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. And yet, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. And yet, it all started back there on Azusa Street. It all started back there in in Topeka, Kansas. That Methodist preacher had that little Bible school. And he got to reading of the scriptures and he had to go away and preach a, a short weekend revival. And he told his young people, his students, he said, Listen, while I'm gone, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to pray and ask God, is Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, where they spoke in tongues when they got there, is that for us today? He said, I don't know. I want you to pray and ask the Lord. I want you to just band together and pray. He was bold enough to say that. This was a Methodist preacher there in, 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 uh, in Kansas. And that that little, little small area that was nothing, bought, a, bought an old, uh, big old house. It was called uh, somebody's folly, Stone's folly. Some guy named Stone had built it and uh, turned it into a school. And he went away and he came back and they said, we have all concluded that this is for us today. There's no place in the Bible we've been praying and praying, and God has shown it to us. And so they began to pray, and it came to the end of 1900, and they were going in. The watch night service was on 1900 going into December 31st, going into January the 1st of 1901. And they had a, They was praying all night. All night they prayed, and folks, they started getting the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. And when one would get it, another would, another would, another one. And man, began to spread. They began to go out and teach and preach and talk about it, and people began to get saved. It went, got down into Houston, Texas, and a bunch of people got saved down there and turned to the Lord. And there was a a black brother down there, praise the Lord, that heard the gospel, got filled with the Holy Ghost, and went back to California, amen, to Topeka, Kansas, I mean, back to uh, Azusa Street. Back up there, I'm going to tell them what happened to him. Praise the Lord. And he became the great pastor in, in, uh, in Los Angeles. And, and that began to spread. And people would come to there, that, the Azusa Street, and then hear the gospel preached. Praise the Lord. And they began to turn to God. And people started coming, missionaries coming in from the foreign lands and said, we've got to see whether. And they began to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. and begin to spread like fire all over the nation. And then all over the world, but all over the whole world, because these people would go out and they'd begin to preach. I'm just trying to say you can't despise the day of small things. So here's a, a, a Methodist preacher. Of course, he got the Holy Ghost and, he's, and he went on to become Pentecostal. They all did. And here's this Methodist preacher telling a little handful of students that were sort of pushed aside, insignificant, Pray. And talk to God and ask God, look at the word and say, is this for us today? Isn't that a simple little question? A small thing that affected the whole world. And the whole world is still being affected by it. And then whenever the apostolic oneness people got the revelation that you got to be baptized in Jesus name. And that's what it all is all boiled down to. And they begin to preach that. That began to spread. Praise the Lord and grew and now there's millions of people and, and, and there's places in the world, folks, where the whole congregations of churches are being baptized in Jesus' name. And if they don't have the Holy Ghost, they're seeking God for it, asking God to give them the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's why your pastor is over in a place like he is, over in, over in, off the coast of Africa over there, uh, and preaching at, at a conference over there. Huge, they got, I mean, thousands, thousands, thousands of people I think something like 10,000 people there in the conference. Uh, people, 7,000, and then there's a bunch of members, and they hardly more than they... They've got to they have translators, and they've got to have people that's way on out there to carry the word on out as they preach. I mean, amazing, but that's what God is doing. Because it all started with somebody saying, I want God's word in my heart, praise the Lord, and it may start out like a little seed... But thank God it grows till it becomes like a great tree. And the Bible is going to say it's like, and it has all the birds and the squirrels and all the the things that get up in the tree and build their nests and whatever it is, becomes a great haven for all of these kind of things. Well, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let me move on here. I got a couple other things to bring out to you here. Uh, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven and meal. Now, this is interesting. I want you to look at uh, verse 33, 1333. Another parable speaking unto them, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. Now, this is another way the kingdom of heaven works. It may not be like a tree, you can see it, but it's working underneath. It's working underneath. It's like uh, one of our dear sisters walks out in the backyard, and she's watering her flowers. And she looks at over at the fence between her and the house next door. A lady standing there and said, "Pardon me, but I'm your new neighbor." "Oh, good, nice to know you." Walks over, talks, talking to her, and she says to her, "You know, you, you like to water your plants? Yeah, I come out here every morning and water them." They get a conversation going next day. They get another conversation going. And finally, the lady who's watering the plants says to her, uh, I noticed the woman said, I noticed you weren't here Sunday. No, I go to church on Sunday. Where do you go to church? Well, I go to Eastwood Pentecostal Church. You know, oh, you really? Yeah. Uh, Would you like to go? Oh, no, I don't think so. But they keep talking. Keep talking. Well, what is your church like? You see what I'm talking about? It's leavened. It's working. They're working. And finally, the lady comes to church. And when she comes to church, she gets saved and gets filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. And her family begins to grow. I'm talking about how it's done. While that's happening, somebody in an office someplace down here is talking to somebody and says, Come on, we'll go to lunch together. And across their lunch, they're talking about God and about receiving the Holy Ghost. In other words, it's just, it's just everywhere. It's just working, working. You don't see it. It's not somebody with a mega horn or somebody with a microphone or some big church service going on or saying, everybody come forward." No, no, it's just somebody talking here, there, talking there, just spreading the word. And, folks, that's where we are today. Praise the Lord. So the kingdom of heaven is also like leaven. You don't see it working, but it's working. It's constantly working until the whole thing. Of course, leaven is let you put that in the meal and it makes it i mean i've seen it, my mother do it when i was a kid and you put it in stuff and it blows up big and then you put it in your bacon you cook it, and everything i don't know all the details you ladies know more about that than i do all right i'm going to wrap this up now time is running short here uh, i want you to notice here he talks about the treasure in the field the pearl of great price and uh each sold all that he had. Okay, look at A here, the treasure. Look at Matthew 13:44. This is where I want to go. 44. Matthew 18:44. 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth, and sell all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Because the treasure isn't his because the, it belongs to the guy who has the field. So he goes and sells all that he has and buyeth the field. So that the treasure will be his. But he wants the treasure so bad until he pays everything that he's got to buy the field that he may have the treasure. Praise the Lord. Is he, in other words, he said, this is what I want. Now look at the, ne- the very next example that he gives here. And, and then he says here, Verse 47, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a... uh, Pardon me. Verse 45 is where I am. Verse 45. 44 to 46. 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it, because he wanted the pearl. In other words... It was so valuable to him, it was worth any price that he had to pay. The same thing with the guy that found the treasure. Whatever price I got to pay to get the land, that the treasure may be mine because I want the treasure, I want the pearl a great price. And this is how that the Lord wants us to view, praise the Lord, our desire for the kingdom of God. Amen. Uh, I uh, have a scripture that I want to refer to here. Let's see, where is it the one? Oh, yeah. Philippians 3, 7. Okay. This is number, this is C here. Look under C. Look under Philippians 3, 7 for a moment. This is Paul writing. But what things were gained to mean those I counted loss for Christ. Notice that? For what things were gained to me, those things I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Paul said, I've lost it all, but I've got him. And that's what he was saying here. All things. And do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Everything else is nothing. I don't care if I, I'm a millionaire. It means nothing if I don't have Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul was bringing out in such a perfect and excellent way here, talking about these kind of things. Praise God. Hallelujah. Everything goes to the Lord. I was reading today about. Jesus feeding the five thousand, and all four Gospels records it—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Only John, though, records where the lunch, the money, the, the food came from. The others all said that we've got we've got these barley loaves, and we got these a few we got two fish and, and, and seven loaves of bread, barley loaves. But in John, he tells where it came from. A little boy had it. A little boy had it because of the lad gave them that. And I don't know how it was that he gave that his lunch to Jesus and everybody was getting very hungry and no food and they'd been without food all day. And Jesus said they need not depart. He had compassion on them, said everybody sit down. And he took that little boy's lunch, but the boy gave it up. He surrendered that lunch. But folks, look what happened when he surrendered that little lunch that he had of two fish and seven little biscuits in there, or little rolls, whatever they were. They said barley loaves. It wasn't loaves of bread like that. They were little buns. But whatever it was, he gave it up because he believed somehow or another he'd receive more back than what he'd give up. And whatever he did, there was 5,000 men besides women and children that were fed. And then they had 12 baskets filled full Food after they got all through. Jesus sat there and broke that bread and broke those fish and fed those people. And he, as he did it, it kept on multiplying all because a little boy gave up his lunch. Praise the Lord. I'm just trying to say here today you can't outgive God, can we? You can't outgive the Lord. But more than just giving anything materially, give of yourself, give of your heart, give of your life, give of your time. Tell the Lord you love Him, and uh, God will never leave us nor forsake us. Here, I've got one here, well of springing water. This is one that He spoke of, uh, over in John four four seventeen. He spoke about uh, God, the, the. He told the woman at the well. He said, "If you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. But I've got water. If you drink of, you'll never thirst again. It'd be a well of living water, springing up from within." And folks, whenever you receive the Holy Ghost. It's always there. Praise the Lord. You may go through a trial or a test, or difficulty or sickness, or a bad situation and lose your job. There's all kinds of things that can happen. But you just hang in with Jesus. Keep walking with the Lord. Keep trusting the Lord. Keep praying. Keep serving God. And God will always bring us through. And he'll always give us the very best. Praise the Lord. And Jesus will never fail us. I'm going to wrap this up now. I've got just a few minutes here uh the fishing net the fishing net and uh I want you to look with me here in and uh see so we are in yeah, I don't want to lose my spot here, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, we're in Matthew. Matthew thirteen forty seven. Then we're gonna wrap it up here with this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, all kinds of fish, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. Now, notice this. Jesus in the kingdom of heaven now is likened to this net at the end. Verse 49. So it is at the end of the world, the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. The wicked, that is. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. But see, God will separate them. And then he goes on to say in other places, like over in, John, over in Matthew, I think it is, he talks about how that uh, God is going to, uh, how that he will separate the sheep from the goats the sheep he'll put on his right hand, the goats he'll put on his left hand. And the sheep he will say to them, you know, come into my kingdom, the goats you will cast away. Praise the Lord. And uh, in some cases, some of the people who have been chosen to be righteous will say to him, Lord, when, have we, when were we good to you? I can't remember anything particular that I was good to you and that you're talking about. And the Lord will say, in that you've done it unto the least of one of these, my brethren. Now, let me say one word in closing here, folks. People who treat you as God's child and God's saint and God's kingdom of heaven member here in the church, not the building, but in the body of Christ, and they treat you kindly, God will always bless them for it. Now take... I'm serious. I'm very serious. People have done you kindness and good things for you. And they've been very kind to you. God will reward them in eternity for it. You're so special to God. We don't realize that sometimes. But we are very special to God. There's been times when somebody did something for me when I really needed... I don't even know... Some people, I don't even know who they were. But I really needed somebody to do something. And I've thought about it a lot of times. I said, God... Whoever that person was, God bless them in eternity. You can think of the same thing, but don't you worry about it. God's got it all. Praise the Lord in his word. It's all because the kingdom of heaven on earth is the body of Christ, the church. We are part of it. And one of these days, the trumpet's going to sound. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Let's stand together and give Him the praise and let's thank Him here tonight. Oh, God is so good. God is so good.